0: Haircut? I have. Yes, I finally have my lockdown haircut. It took Yay! a while, didn't it? It did. Yeah. <laughs> I have know. to say, you're looking dashing this evening. Dashing. If you look at photos of me from 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I look the same. So I have to get my hair long to look a bit older. My thing
1: is, if I was in a bar right now making eyes at you, I might also be saying to myself, "Oh, I'm not sure. Jailbait."
0: This is the Sheer Isolation Podcast. It's presented by Kieran Moore and John Ponting. Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is the Sheer Isolation Show podcast. Call it what you like. I'm, I'm getting bored of the, the word podcast because we're, we're more than a podcast now. We're all over we're the all place.
1: Over. We're all over the place. We're on the radio. We're on YouTube. And if you want to, you can get us on iTunes as well and all the other places the podcast has come from. So.
0: And if you're unfamiliar with us, uh, we uh, our ambition is to promote local music and the local music scene across uh, Wiltshire, Somerset, Gloucestershire and, and just the west of England in general. So I've got to start this week's show with a big apology to the
1: Jeeks. There are bands who are meant to be rehearsing at the Village Pump. And I sent out a mass message to the bands that are due to rehearse at the Village Pump to say you can't rehearse this week because we haven't got our COVID return to work thing in place. Basically, they didn't get the message. They turned up. And they, they can't rehearse, so they have to go away again. And it's entirely my fault. I may, didn't make sure they had the message, um, and bombs. So I'm not perfect, John. Um, I feel we but- should
0: also apologise uh, just for last week because the the audio was uh, very low-fi. It was very tinny, and we're not sure what happened. We're, we're thinking it was probably a dodgy internet connection. Uh, for people who listen to us on the streams or on radio, then you may not realise that we record this entire thing on Zoom, and there is a video version as well. Um, I am. Um, usually about 30 miles away from Kieran and Kieran is usually about 30 miles away from me. So we we find Zoom works quite well, but for whatever reason last week the the audio was giving us a little bit of a hiccup. So we do send our apologies and we hope this week we sound much clearer.
1: I do hope so too, because I I don't think I'm the clearest in the world anyway. Hopefully you can understand me.
0: (laughs) I would say you're clearer than me and I used to be a professional
1: at this. Used to be, See, I uh, technically I still am a professional at this, even mm. though I've cleaned more toilets than I've done gigs this year. Who's our guest
0: this week, John? This week's guest is a chap called Graham Nash, who um, I'm not familiar with, but I know you You know the chap. He is a, an event rep, and we'll nice. also have a couple of tracks to, to play as well, which we'll come on to those in a moment. Um, yes. But Kieran, since um, I last saw you, I have been to my first indoor gig. Yay, what was it? Uh, it was a, a chap called uh, Pete Wilcock, who's uh, from a band in Malmesbury, and it was uh, it was just him, like one man in his guitar style gig in in a typical Wiltshire skittle alley venue. So a very thin, narrow, only small crowd, about fifteen I, I people. venue. But, but, but it was a gig. We were there. We went to see some live music, and it was lovely. Fantastic.
1: Oh, isn't it? It's, it's the nicest thing.
0: One, so one thing though, it, it was. I don't know, you, you kind of feel a little a little bit in two minds because your brain is telling you there are people around you you're not safe just because of what's been uh, drummed into us over the, over the last okay. few months. Because although the, the venue itself was doing all it could to um, keep people away from each other, and uh, they're not the enforcers. So people were mingling, people were moving into the beer garden through to the toilets, being a skittle alley room, there's a lot of transient movement. Yeah. And what I did find is that after the music finished, the landlord came in and turned on the big screen and put the football on. And then we were swarmed by football fans who were like jostling to find seats. Because obviously they're not allowed to stand. There must be a seat. And at that point, I thought, actually, I'm going to move to a different part of the pub now. The the putting football on the screen seemed to be less safe than having live music. That's mad to think, isn't it? (laughs) Old statement, but I'm sticking to it. (laughs) We have got to play a track and you were going to pick something, have you? I have picked something. I have picked Taste the Sun by Talk in Code. Ah, that's a band I'm familiar with. That's... I haven't heard from them for a while.
1: Well, I believe they've been, I mean, I think there's modern day and age is with bands you have to constantly record and release. I don't think people do album cycles anymore traditionally. It's, it's single cycle. I remember Keha was saying this when he well, from his band New Pagans, is that, they released a video for every song and they basically got six months out of their ep rather than just release it on day one and that's the end of it and uh talking code one of those bands that release a new song quite regularly with a video etc etc um
0: so this is their this is their latest song it's interesting you say about albums I, I think we're now at a point where if you're not going to release something on vinyl there's no point having an album uh, you should Funny you should say that i think you're probably right it's the way of the world the way
1: of the world, unless you can do vinyl don't bother.
2: Don't words if you listen to the beat of my heart. Undeterred, I will show you the way.
1: So that was Taste the Sun by Talking Code, Swindon's finest indie rock band. Um, that's actually probably not a fair thing to say. There's a lot of indie rock bands in Swindon at the moment. I just about video. to
0: say, that's a brave <laughs> statement.
1: <laughs> and they're all brilliant, actually. Swindon has got, back in like 10, 15, 20 years ago, Swindon was all about the metal, all about the punk, all about the rock. And now it's completely shed that, and it's now all about the indie. Do we have some product placement? I bought something on Discogs the other day and you know sometimes with Discogs if you buy it if the seller has their PayPal link you can pay for it straight away Mm. this seller did not have their PayPal links I couldn't pay for it I then got bogged down in work for four days they kept sending reminders via invoice reminders I kept missing them and they've cancelled the order and I'm like oh god I'm really sorry I didn't need to do that (laughs) so that means some
0: bad feedback coming my way (laughs) oh one star more over there (laughs) <laughs> One star more.
1: <laughs> I might have to send them an apology message so that you leave me a five-star
0: review. <laughs> uh, time to talk about our guest for the week, who is Chippenham-based chap Graham Nash, who has been uh, in the industry and, and working within music venues for decades.
1: Yeah, a good 30 years in him. Man and boy. He left university and went straight into the industry and never looked back. And he's done various roles in various positions at various degrees of professionality and he's just a really experienced really interesting guy who happens to live on our doorstep <laughs> and and you know him through the music venues trust is that right the mvt yes so I, I discovered through that group that he lived locally we had a lot of mutual friends which were pertinent mutual friends like trey stead for example and it's like oh that's interesting i should know this guy oh my god he's in chippenham I was like, "Hey, we should meet up for coffee and have a chat." And we did, and it was. I found some really interesting stuff out, and it was really, really lovely.
0: So, uh, this uh, interview—just talking to Graham, just about his, his history and what he's been up to. He starts us by telling us about back in the '90s when he was in a band, and the band quit, and then he he takes it from there.
3: The band finished in sort of early '90s, and I needed something to do. I went to university, and at university, ran out of money after about two weeks. Standard at the time, um, and I had a couple of interviews lined up: one to be a chef, which I had been before, and one to work on the Ents crew at the uh, Montfort Student Union in Leicester. So I, I was at De Montfort University, and the interview consisted of someone saying, "So, um, can you do long hours?" I, "Yeah, I, I, you know, I've been doing double shifts at the restaurant; do fourteen hours, not a problem." "So you're a big lad." You okay for lifting? And I'm like, yeah, fine. And they said, so what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> well, I've got tickets to come into the underworld. And they said, oh, you're working it now. And, oh, okay. And uh, I was there at 10 o'clock the next morning, hoping I'd get a refund on my tickets and didn't get a refund on my tickets. <laughs> and got paid the princely sum of £30 for working from 10 in the morning until, well, I think I got home about four the next morning. I can remember being overtaken by a milk float. Um, <laughs> but absolutely loving it because, you know, I was working with a band in, or working on a gig with a band I loved, learning so much. And then just over the years, I got more and more involved. Then I became the, when I finished my degree, I became the end manager. Nice. And uh, I was in Leicester for seven years, all in all, and meeting that's a lot of nice, people.
1: That's a nice progression. That obviously happened reasonably quickly, but like in a natural kind of progression way.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it did. And it was, You know, I met an awful lot of people, and the gigs that were put on were generally, I mean, I'd I'd promoted a few of them very, very badly. I can remember being forced by an agent, no, we can't pull this gig, even though you've sold 40 tickets, it's going to, they'll sell loads on the door, and they didn't
2: sell
3: Uh, But we had a 1200 capacity venue, I'm sure you have. (laughs) But we had a 1200 capacity venue and we were doing the likes of uh, Chemical Brothers and Coldplay and stuff like that back then. The people who were generally putting on the gigs um, was SJM Concerts and what was uh, MCP Concerts, the big national concert promoters. I then went down, the next job I had was in London running Yulu. Oh really? Yeah, so the guy who was there just prior to me, a guy called Steve uh, Steve Keeble, I think, he'd done 30 gigs in the year and was really, really pleased. And the year, the sort of full year and a half that I was there, or the full, the full year, that went in November, so between the November and the following November, we did something like 80.
1: That's, that's effectively like, that's three a week almost, isn't it? Or two, certainly two a week.
3: Yeah, yeah, and, and it was... It was some good gigs, and it was because I had the relationships with SJM, and Metropolis were down there, and they loved the place. So yeah, I just did a lot of gigs with them. Uh, I started working on the side then as well for SJM, Live Nation, or Clear Channel as it was called then, and Metropolis, just being their promoter's rep, which is mostly what I do now, though I do tour management everything else as well and
1: for the people who aren't familiar with what that role actually is what what does a promoter's rep do
3: it's very lonely <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're in between the venue and the band so there's the touring party you've got a tour manager and a production manager and all those sort of people involved who they're spending all their time with there's the venue who've got all the people involved at the venue and then there's me coming along and it can be Depending on the size of the gigs, it might be that I turn up with a rider of the beers and waters and whatever else, set up their dressing rooms, do the accounting side of things, make sure all the tech side is all right. So I'm a facilitator for to make the gig work. It's weird now. I'm 49 years old, and I, I often find myself doing a load of uh, you know grime or or rap stuff, and a, a lot of Americans coming over and um, uh, yeah, your man, and doing all this. And like that for god's sake
1: yeah. just just shake my hand
3: 49. <laughs> it. <Damn> it. <laughs> I, I was gonna ask you that, that very
0: thing Graham because uh, by some of it your role you are kind of you're, you're instructed by one company to set up a particular type of music in a particular venue so you're un- unlike Kieran who gets to pick and choose exactly who's playing at his venues you're, you're told who to look after and who to promote so uh, I guess that's more of a tricky thing to, to manage
3: yeah I mean uh, I've got a very wide taste in music, which is good. I, I can see the good and bad in in many things. I mean, a lot of the time you don't get it. <laughs> there's always, even when, you're, when I was back in bands and stuff like that, there's always things you say to people that when you're in bands, you say, oh, yeah, you're really tight. Generally, that's code words for, I hate your music. <laughs> you know, you're really tight. You've got to give them some sort of compliment. It's similar, you know, in talking to artists,
1: COVID happened and all the events have, have sort of disappeared. Uh, what have you been doing with your time since since you've been told not to come to work?
3: <laughs> well, I finished on March 16th was my last show. Um, right you know, then. Yeah, I mean, I was I was really frustrated by it all because I, March 16th was a Monday. Uh, the previous week on the Friday Thursday and Friday I'd done Lewis Capaldi shows in uh, Wembley Arena, so. We were there with 11,000 people a night yeah. sitting going, should we be doing this? Is, yeah. is
2: this right?
3: And then I had the Saturday and Sunday after Monday, I was doing an artist in, uh, at the Roundhouse in London. There was supposed to be 2,000 people coming uh, on the click about 900. You know, it, it was very, very frustrating. But I worked right up until then. Since then, I've kind of been mainly staying at home looking after my children getting a bit depressed at times. um,
1: Well, actually, interestingly, because we've got a mutual friend, we share a mutual friend of Trey Stead. Right, yeah. And you know Trey, obviously, through the industry. And she was saying last week about the sort of sense of loss of identity. um, uh, And I know I felt an element of that. What are your worries or how are you feeling about going back?
3: It's been very difficult because you suddenly, everything that you know, because it's not like a job... It's more than a job. It, it defines who you are in a way, and it is everything about you. When that all gets taken away, you do sometimes sit there and just the black dog or whatever comes, and you get depressed. And what worries me about a lot of the industry is, I've got a wife and two children and and a dog and everything keeping me sane. You know, I, there's, there are reasons for me not to sort of do anything drastic but since I've put a few things up on Facebook I've had phone calls from people I've had contact from people who were going you know I know exactly what how you feel I know exactly you know I'm glad someone else feels like it and, and we don't talk enough and uh, you know I've, I've had conversations with people over the last few days not exactly talking them down from the window ledge but Having a two-hour conversation with someone just because they, need, they haven't had anyone to talk to. Because there's a lot of people in the industry who are single blokes or single women who live in a flat that they hardly ever see, but now they're seeing it all the time. When It's, you've got...
1: quite, a, it's quite a difficult lifestyle, isn't it? Like you say, you, you live it. You, it's not something you casually do. You live it. It's who you are. It's your identity. Yeah. And, get used to seeing these people perhaps only a couple of times a year and you know that you're going to see them on you know certain points in the year and that becomes everything that you're looking forward to it's it's your life they're suggesting may next year when things might be normal that's a hell of a long time there's a lot of people going to fall through the gaps and as you said then there's a lot of people actually who are struggling who might not make it that far like i've suggested perhaps leaving the industry when we go back it's going to be a completely different uh, horizon outlook platform everything's yeah
3: I do do some tour management and production management I do disappear for two three weeks at times but I tend not I I made the decision not to do that because I've got the wife and the children and everything and I I don't want to disappear so the job I've got despite the fact that as I said it's quite lonely you a lot of the time you're on your own and you're in between people it suits me because it means that I don't fully it's not that I don't fully commit I do fully commit. But it's not absolutely all I've got. I can come back to this. But yeah, there are so many people who, this is all they have.
0: Yeah. Probably time to talk about the track, which I think we're going
1: to play Bad Sounds. What's your connection with Bad Sounds?
3: I have no, no connection other than having children who, um, I've got a 14-year-old and a going-on 17-year-old. Uh, 17 oh, okay,
1: so it's target audience really, isn't it?
3: It's weird because I've always been the one who knows about music and says everything about music. And it's in the last few years, the two of them, especially the older one who um, the older one now wants to get into what I'm doing. And she's actually going to a college in Bristol to do an event production Tech.
1: Good luck to um,
3: her. Yeah. So now they're sort of introducing me to stuff that I'm like, oh, right, OK. <laughs> I, I didn't know this. And Bad Sounds is one that um, I, I had no idea about them. Weirdly, Live Nation promote them, and someone I work for quite often from Hoxton, but I never knew they were from Chippenham. But that happens. I, I, I didn't know the Heavy were from Chippenham or, you know.
1: Well, yeah, sort of Bath, aren't they? Sort
3: of Bath. The funny thing, if you've got time for a quick story. That's fine, go I, for
1: it.
3: I did a show with the Heavy years ago. They were supporting the Noisettes, or the, whichever way yeah, you yeah. pronounce it, at the Scala. And it, in those days, I was a lot heavier than I am now. And the Scala production office is, the Scala means the stairs, so the Scala production office is way, way up in the roof, and um, the heavy were supporting, and one of them came to get paid, and I I didn't even go down and watch them, which I feel terrible about now. Especially, I I chatted to the guy, and he said, yeah, we're from the sort of bathroom. Oh, yeah, I'm from Chippenham. I didn't realise the um, guitarist, Danny... Danny and I were both in bands at the same time in Chippenham. He was bass player in another band. We got we got on incredibly well. He was a lovely bloke. I was slightly hated him because he was a lovely bloke, much better musician than me, and much better looking than me. We got on incredibly well, and he's he's. I'm really glad that they've done well. But I, I the one chance I ever had of, of seeing them, I missed because I was um, being lazy, sat in a production office far too far away.
1: That is, that is terrible, but I'm glad you've been honest.
2: Is heart, head, chipping a minute. I'm a victim of him from the back.
0: So that track is uh, Hothead Chippenham by the band Bad Sounds, which is, it's a, it's a lovely tune. It's and a great the, tune. It's a, it's a great video as well because they're, they're just on a green screen but cycling around pretty much every street in Chippenham. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And going back to your
1: comment earlier about vinyl records, I did buy that album on vinyl. So, um, yes, news. Time for some news, yes. What have you got? Yes. I like to I like to engage with people. I like to talk to people. I like to see how we can all help each other and all of us can complement each other. And with this in mind, I arranged to meet Laurie, who is the general manager at the Comedian in Bath. They've recently just done this thing called the Drum Masterclass, and the in-house engineer there, a guy called Joe Noonan, who's a very very good engineer. Um, they had these multi cameras, like five or six different cameras, and they were able to do multi angles. So there was this drummer doing the drum masterclass showing you how the event was there. And they had these lovely angles and it was all really professionally done. I was chatting to Laurie about the future of this, and he was saying that they have basically set themselves up to be able to do socially distanced events. So roughly 200, 250 capacity. But the audio and visual stream, which is TV quality, that's standard, that's, you know, that's the, the equipment and, and, and the hardware, and then what gets sent, the external audio that gets sent out, visual, that will go to the artist, and the artist can then stream that across their platforms. We've talked, we've talked a lot about varying qualities that you get on the streams. Comedia have gone all in for the high-end quality stream.
0: They have done the exact opposite of us then. They, they've actually invested and got some high quality <laughs> gear. Yeah. That's exactly what they've done. <laughs> we use two laptops and a dodgy connection. <laughs> that's exactly what we do. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's good. So, and the, the only news I was going to talk about is that I've seen on my, uh, on my Facebook feed, tons of venues now saying we now want to get musicians back in. We, we want to get some gigs going Want regular like, weekly music. Let's get, get the ball rolling again which is great to see.
1: I'm not yet in that position. My capacity's 14 at the village pump and I've only just got my COVID risk assessment done now for next week. There won't be any gigs anytime soon, but I'm delighted things have started because it's, it's been a long time coming. And hopefully we're going to start seeing some lovely, lovely experiences again. albeit. be it. With
0: fewer people. I I think this goes back to something we were talking about a few weeks ago, the the gradual transition of gigs getting bigger and bigger. And the step one is the pubs doing the the one man shows. And step two is where you come in, the smaller venues being able to open again. I I think pubs is the the natural first place that we need to start building from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Because we said this before, but you know, getting a big act to play a a small show at the drop of a hat is almost impossible. There's just too much going on. Um, And so as a result, to achieve those things, it takes time. I mean, you can go to, to be fair, you can if you want to go to Newcastle Racecourse and go watch the likes of The South and Lightning Seeds and Frank Turner in your metal cage from about 500 metres. But that's not a gig. (laughs) so if you want to go do that you're absolutely welcome to enjoy yourself but that's not a gig or it is but it's not the experience i want
0: is is that the the photos i've seen where like there's a table of four on a bit of scaffolding yes there's about a hundred of them little (laughs) pens that's exactly it yeah i don't want no one wants that um if anybody wants to get in touch with us the best way of doing that is through our email address which is sheer at gmail.com or you can just jump onto any social network and look up sheer music and you will find Kieran and and whatever he's promoting this week. Always promoting stuff every day. (laughs) Busy boy. Okay, we will leave it at that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back
2: next week. Bye-bye. Bye!